Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to start by talking a little bit about basketball. The Buffs are ranked uh, as of this morning. Uh, they are now number 24. It's the first time they've been ranked all season, and they're the only team in the Pac-12 that is currently in the top 25 rankings. Pretty crazy. Uh, we're going to talk about that real quick. Um touch on what games to pay attention to because the first game this week that is relevant to Colorado starts in like seven hours. Yep. Yep. Seven o'clock tonight, ESPN two Arizona at Oregon. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk through where the buffs stand after this weekend. Um, what's going on this week is there's plenty. And then in the second segment of today's show, we're going to talk about, the Pac-12 football schedule. Uh, John Wilner of the Wilner Hotline and a bunch of other things uh, tweeted this morning that the Pac-12 is tentatively planning on releasing the football schedule tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Um, and so I thought it'd be fun to go through and build the perfect CU Buffs football schedule in 2021. Because we know the opponents and we know where the games are going to be played, all we don't know is the order of the games, and that's what's going to come out tomorrow. So yeah, uh, that's the plan for today. I'm really excited because it's a lot of fun stuff to talk about, and I put a lot of thought into the schedule thing. Um, so well, we're going to take a quick second to give a shout-out to the Colorado XOs, and then we're going to jump in with some basketball and get rolling. So, the Colorado XOs, which, by the way, are currently 1-0. and They won their first ever game. They have some big stuff going on. Uh, they're bringing in a whole bunch of former football players, basketball players, baseball players, wrestlers, soccer players, um, track runners and jumpers and throwers, and they're trying to teach them rugby. Some of them may be guys you've heard of. They're, they're former Seahawks. There's, there's former Falcons, Cardinals, guys who played in the NFL. And uh, right now, they're all training and playing at Infinity Park in Glendale, uh, which is also known as Rugby Town USA. The reason is they're trying to turn these guys into some of the best American rugby players out there. They're trying to get them onto the U.S. national team, which trains right here in at that same place uh, in Fandy Park in Glendale. Um, so it's really cool. There's um, a bunch of stuff happening in the rugby world right now. The seasons are just getting underway. Um, 
Yeah, uh, there, there's two matches that are scheduled to be live-streamed in early April, the 3rd and 10th, so make sure you mark your calendars and follow along with DNVR Rugby, uh, the Twitter account, the podcast, uh, the website, because there's a whole bunch of cool things that are currently happening. Uh, yeah, let's jump in. So the Buffs, number 24 in the country. That's a good place to be. And it feels good to see them finally get the recognition. Um you know, the net rankings all season have said, well, this is really a, a top 15 basketball team. And the Ken Palm rankings have, I think, been a little bit lower on CU, but they've typically been saying, like, they're 17, they're 18. And it does suck to watch the computers say that the, the basketball team you follow is really, really good, and then to see the media say, well, yeah, they're, they're good, but what have, they, what have they done to prove it to us? Um, and... It's a lot easier to do that with a team like Colorado, a team that isn't a blue bud, doesn't have, you know, the strongest basketball history. You know, they don't have a bunch of national titles and final fours, like the banners just hanging around the arena. That's not what this program has been. Now, they are playing at that level right now. They're, they're playing like a top 15, top 20 team in the country. Or they're playing like a top 20 team in the country. For them to get ranked 24th, you know, it, it probably is still not enough you know the buffs are i mean the numbers say that colorado is better than that you know the buffs just went in and beat the two top teams in the pac-12 based on the standings and you wonder if maybe that should be weighted a little bit more um but yeah so so all seasons kind of been like this and part of the reason the buffs haven't made it into the rankings despite consistently having metrics show that they should be is kind of their own fault. I mean, the the ranking system isn't perfect. That's why they don't use it to decide anything that really matters. But, you know, that's that's not anything new. You know the things that voters don't like to see. They don't like to see the losses to bad teams. They don't like to... I mean, I mean it's, part of it is just the way you get to where you are. You know, because when... You're on the outside looking in, like Colorado was for a lot of this season, just right outside the top 25. Maybe they were ranked 28th, maybe they were ranked 38th. But somewhere in that range, Colorado has just kind of been hovering for the majority of this season. And to get up into that top 25, the voters are looking at not just what you've done, but what those teams in front of you have done. And Colorado had so many weekends where, you know, on Thursday they got a big win, and then on Saturday, they couldn't quite seal the deal. And if they had, they would have been ranked. And then there were a couple of times it was reversed. And they had the loss on Thursday. And they were able to bounce back on Saturday and get a good win. But again, that's just not enough when you can look and say, okay, well, of the six, seven, eight teams, whatever, in front of the, the buffs trying to get into these rankings, how many of them just went 2-0? Because they're going to stay in front. And then how many of these teams went 1-1, one one, like Colorado did, and then we can start to to nitpick a little bit. And that's where it gets into, well, which one in one does the voter like the best? Is it a one in one where, you know, in Colorado's case, maybe they got a decent win against Stanford, but then lost the next game against Cal. And you just think, well, you you can't let a team get beaten by the worst team in their conference and then put them right up into the rankings. And, and because of the way that the season was kind of shaped for Colorado, it, it seemed like just about every time they had a, a game that could have gotten them into the top 25, they lost it. 
Now, at the same time, there were multiple points throughout the season where they should have been ranked and they weren't. There were, there were rankings that came out, especially early in the season, where I, I did expect Colorado to get ranked, despite, you know, the the slight reluctance that voters would have to vote for Colorado just compared to to a Duke or a Kansas or whoever. Um, just because they don't have the brand name, there's just... I, mean, I don't even know that it's a knock as much as you just don't get that bump from the voters. And it seems like in a lot of ways, Colorado doesn't get that bump. You know, you look at them and you say, ah, well... Who is their secondary scoring scorer? Um, do they have the length in the post to really compete with other top 25 teams? And we've seen it. I mean, we've seen that, sure, maybe Evan Batty isn't the longest guy, but look at what he's done to Evan Mobley a couple times. And he wasn't alone. He, he had help from Jariah and Dallas, and they've been able to make it work, and they've won the basketball games, which is what this is all about. That's why the computers really like them, and that's why the voters haven't. But we've finally gotten to this point where the Buffs forced the voters to put them into the top 25. They, they beat the two best teams in their conference, according to the standings and according to a bunch of people who cover basketball. Um, and that's going to that's gonna get you in. And so it is good to see Colorado get in. They deserve it. It's, it's a nice reward heading into this final week of the season. Um, and it does add just a little bit of weight to their resume you know it, it is tough to to get a, a top seed in the NCAA tournament when the voters haven't ranked you and and as much as you know that that isn't supposed to matter it does have an effect you know the voters if they watched Colorado play four times this season five times this season whatever it would sure help if during those five times there was a little number next to Colorado's name, you know, or even just a couple of them to be 21, 22, just to remind everybody where exactly Colorado is. Um, and and to, to have this ranking is going to make it feel better. You know, you're not bridging the gap between, oh, well, the net rankings say we're number 14 and the, the voters say we're number 34. What does that mean? I mean, that just puts... Colorado in a, in a very variable situation because you don't necessarily know how they're going to be seen by whoever's on that committee. Um, to, to have that gap now be, well, the, the net rankings say 14 and the voters say 24, well, that window is much smaller and I think it bodes well for Colorado. Um, so there are some thoughts on the ranking. They definitely deserve it. Before we move along, I still, I've just been updating this this note that has what Colorado needs to get to, to win the Pac-12, and that means why not recap right now since the first game that they need a specific result in is today. Well, I mean it's not the first. This has been going for since Saturday, I guess. Um, but the difference today is that I actually looked up what the ESPN basketball power index says is going to happen in these games. Um, and so, like I said, first game is today at seven Arizona plays Oregon. You need Arizona to win that game. Otherwise Colorado can't take number one. Um, and FPI says there's a 35.7% chance of that happening with all, let's see, there's one, two, three, there's six games left that Colorado needs the, the correct result in. All of those combined, FPI says there's a 0.7% chance of that happening. Um, if if 
Arizona beats Oregon today, that jumps up to 2%, which I'm not sure when you guys are willing to emotionally commit to there being a chance. But the good news is Colorado is locked into a top four spot. Right now they're sitting at number four. So legitimately in the Pac-12, there is nowhere to go but up for Colorado. And so my plan is, just in the way that we're going to be looking at these things, they're going for number one until number one's off the table. And when number one's off the table, whether that's today or whether that's Wednesday or whether that's Thursday or Saturday or Sunday or whatever, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to shift our goals at that point to number two and figure out how could Colorado finish number two in the Pac-12. And then when that's off the table, go to number three. And uh, when that's off the table, I guess the bus will be locked into number four. Um, but as it stands right now, Arizona needs to beat Oregon today. 35.7% chance of that happening, according to ESPN. And then there won't be another game that affects Colorado until Wednesday when there's actually two. Oregon needs to beat UCLA. Stanford needs to beat USC. A 62% chance and a 22% chance of those two things happening. Um, but we'll pick back up on that stuff after we figure out what happens today. Um, but yeah, that's the update there. Colorado is locked into finishing top four, including Arizona. Arizona can't pass them either, so it's not even going to be like a fraudulent top four. Unless you want to go down the like, well, Arizona didn't have as much to play for, and so there's still that, and maybe it's more like finishing top four in 11-team conference. I don't know. The record books will say they finished top four, and that's what matters. Um, that means you get the bye, although number five also gets a bye this year. So, yeah, all, all they can do is move up in the standings, and we're going to be looking at ways to do that as we wrap up this season. It's crazy that the season's already over. Just crazy. Not already over, but Colorado has one game left and then the tournaments. Just wild. So, yeah, um, I think that's it on the basketball side. I've got some uh, football schedule thoughts to get to in just a second. But first, we've got to take a quick break because I had my first Breckenridge Brewery seltzer on Saturday, and it was so good. And here's what happened. So I was at the bar, and there was a bunch of people at the bar because the Avs were playing and the Nuggets were playing, and then the Buffs were the last game on Saturday. Uh, and so it was packed. One of the things that was going on was this thing that a couple of the guys were doing for Breckenridge Brewery where basically they have to drink a bunch of the seltzers. And um, we wound up with like a few extra seltzers just sitting around, but there was a limited number of those and we had to make sure there was enough for the other guys. So what happened was I got one of them because I still hadn't tried one and told everybody like, okay, I'm taking one mark this down where we only have so many extras remaining and because I had to be so clear about all of that I, I had forgotten that I even grabbed a seltzer and so I went back and like sat down and watched a couple minutes in the Nuggets game I was like oh yeah and I was like my drink and cracked it open and I drank like some of it and then I, I drank a little bit more of it and then next thing you know it's halfway gone I was like oh yeah I totally forgot this is a new thing like it, it was just such a nice tasting like pretty subtle seltzer that I honestly didn't even realize I was drinking something new but then I like thought about it I was like huh yeah this is good isn't it it just goes down so easily you don't even realize you're drinking it um I had the peach and I loved it that's the only one I've tried still um but I will be trying others and I will be reporting back make sure that you guys uh check these out because they are 
very, very good seltzers. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, um, you can get that 15-pack of seltzers with the apple pear, the cherry, the peach, the berry, and the honeydew. Um, if you go to the Breckenridge Brewery website, it'll take you the beer locator where you can find all of the places where you can pick that up. It's super convenient and easy, and it's good stuff, so make sure you check those out. Also, DraftKings. You guys know how much fun it is to uh, watch sports. I know that. And I also know that most of you know how much fun it is to bet on sports. I know for me, as we watch this final week of Pac-12 basketball, I'm going to be making some bets on these college basketball games. And, and here's a tip for you. So because there's basically a six-game parlay that Colorado needs to hit, I'm sure a lot of you, like me, and I've actually heard from some of you who said, I want to make this a parlay. Here's the trouble. So college basketball lines usually don't come out until the morning of the game. Occasionally, they'll come out the day before, and if there's a, a like a Gonzaga versus Baylor matchup, a 1v2 matchup, um, then that game might come out like a week in advance so that you can get a whole bunch of action because everybody knows that everybody's going to be watching and wanting to bet. Um, for the most part, though, college basketball lines come out the day of the game, maybe the day before. So... That means you can't really make a parlay because there are games that impact the buffs today, Monday, and there's a game that's going to matter for that parlay on Sunday. The line is not out yet on that game. Here's what you can do, though. You can basically do a parlay without clicking the parlay button. Um, the way it would work is this. So it starts with what I say Arizona beating Oregon today. You take whatever you're wanting to bet on this parlay and you put that on Arizona today. If Arizona wins, then say you put 10 bucks in, that 10 bucks is going to be probably about 30 bucks, I would imagine, maybe a little bit less than that. And then on Wednesday, you actually could make a parlay because Oregon has to beat UCLA, Stanford has to beat USC. You just make that Oregon Stanford parlay and then you use the 30 bucks or so that you got from this Arizona bet probably like 28 would be my guess. And then you throw that 28 on that parlay and then that can go up to what? That'd be like probably right around 100, somewhere between 100 and 150 bucks that would pay out. And then if those hit, then you take that 100 150 bucks and put that on the buffs on Thursday to beat Arizona and then you pay out whatever. And so basically you're making this whole thing a parlay payout. You just don't have the convenience of being able to click everything and just say, do this for me. You have to remember to keep track of the money and throw that back in. But essentially, that's how Parlay works. You're just having to do it manually. So there's an option if you guys want in. The bright side is that you could also pull your money out basically whenever you wanted. If you said, hey, I just made 100 or 150 bucks on this $10 bet. Sure, I hope that these last three games work out and Colorado wins the Pac-12. I might just take my money or even put a smaller bet going forward. That would be an option too. Um, so that was an ad for DraftKings was how I'm going to turn this week into a Buffs basically parlay. Um, 
you guys, if you want to do that, you can do that. There's plenty of other things to bet on. I'll tell you about them all the time. Um, there's a bunch of college basketball, obviously, NBA basketball, the NHL. Um, rugby is on there. There's soccer going on. There's all sorts of stuff. Uh, and it's just been so much fun. So make sure you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, use that DMVR code when you sign up. Um, and you must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Uh, um, See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. There you go. Um, let's talk some football. So, as I mentioned a half hour ago probably, the schedule is likely to come out tomorrow. I think what John Wilner said, the there's they're tentatively planning on releasing the schedule on Tuesday. Um, there were some tweets about how the coaches have had all of their input and that sort of stuff, and, and they've had some like votes or whatever, and now it seems like it's about time for them to just pick a schedule and go with it. Here's what they're actually doing. What they're doing is figuring out what order to put all of these games in. Um, and I think where to put a buy, too. I think there's room for a buy somewhere in there. Um, all of the matchups are decided. We already know all of the opponents. And some of the schedule's already decided. For example, Colorado will open the season um, versus Northern Colorado. And then the next week, they'll play... Texas A&M at the Broncos Stadium, and then the next week they play the Minnesota Golden Gophers in Boulder. That part is already totally decided, the non-conference schedule. Conference schedule, still up in the air, though we do know the opponents, and Colorado's opponents are thus. Um, on the road, they will play Arizona State, Cal, UCLA, and Utah. At home, they'll play Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, and USC. You may have noticed, five home games, four road games. That means that this is going to be a good year for Colorado. Um, because it's a nine-game schedule in the Pac-12, which is a weird thing compared to the rest of the conferences, the way it works is you play the five teams in your division, in Colorado's case, the Pac-12 South, and then you'll play four teams from the other division, in Colorado's case, the Pac-12 North. That means there are two teams that you don't play, and because there's nine games, you alternate years having five at home or five on the road. Uh, this year, Colorado doesn't play Washington State and doesn't play Stanford. Not the worst draw, necessarily, but you would certainly like something else, I would say. And those are going to be my first thoughts here. Um, so when you look at the Pac-12 North, you've got... Oregon at the top, you've got Washington right behind them. To me, you've got Stanford right there next. Um, and then you get into basically like the little brothers of all those teams. Oregon has Oregon State, Washington has Washington State, Stanford has Cal. I'm going to go Cal after Stanford. I'm going to go, we're going to go Oregon State and then Washington State. So, you lose out on games against the number three and number six teams in the conference if you like how I ordered these teams. What's the average then? The average is like four and a half. Typically, the average would be three and a half, um, which means that you are missing out on games against teams that are worse than what you'd expect, worse than the average. Um, to me, I don't like it because uh, 
Oregon State, Washington State, those are games you expect to win. Stanford, Cal, those are games you expect to split. Oregon, Washington, those are games that, honestly, you expect to lose. Um, now, it kind of depends on how high you on, are on Colorado. If you think Colorado is a top three team in the conference, well, no. Then maybe the Washington-Stanford games you split, Cal-Oregon State, you bet, or Stanford-Cal, well, oh boy, I screwed all that up. Oregon-Washington, those are games you split. Stanford-Cal, those are games you win 75% of. Oregon State-Washington State just locks. Um, let's just say that Colorado's sitting more around that four, five, six spot. That's where you you really just want to not have to play Oregon or Washington. And you're going to have to play one of them most likely, but you want one of those games out because those are games that you probably do look at as losses, especially if they're on the road, although they're at home this year. Um, so to me, this year is still a pretty rough draw schedule-wise, even when you combine the fact that um, you're not playing Stanford or Washington State with the fact that you have five home games and only four road games. I still just don't really like it. Um, I liked it more when I first kind of saw the list and less when I looked at the schedule and how this all kind of works together. Um, let's uh, jump into building this schedule now. Like I said, road games... Arizona State, Cal, UCLA, Utah. Home games, Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, USC. Um, actually, I have a couple thoughts, and then we're going to build a schedule. Just in terms of what's on the road and what's at home, I, I'd almost like to have Oregon or Washington or USC on the road, specifically the Northern Division teams, and just write that in as a schedule loss. And then move, you know, Cal to being at home. Utah to being at home. Even UCLA. Arizona State's going to be tough to beat. Um, but but getting one of those games that you look at as more of a 50-50 game. Get that 50-50 game at home and the 80-20 game on the road. And, and just lock in a win. So, let's build the schedule now, though. Now that I've said that. Um... Here were my thoughts. We already know how the season's going to start. Northern Colorado, Texas A&M, Minnesota. Without putting, like, setting the expectations for Colorado or saying that it's going to be a good team or a bad team or it's going to finish wherever in the Pac-12 standings, here's what I'm going to say. They're going to be big favorites over Northern Colorado. They're going to be big dogs against Texas A&M and probably against Minnesota, too. Um, because of that, I think that there's big potential for a really ugly start to the season. Now, at the same time, there's potential for a great start too. But if you're asking me today, March 1st, oh, I, I didn't even say happy March, everybody. March madness is close. Um, but as of today, you look at Northern Colorado, Texas A&M, Minnesota and say, I'm setting the line at one and a half wins. If they wind up with two wins in this stretch, I'm calling that a, a very, very successful start of the season for Colorado. Um, and because I expect one and two more than I expect two and one or three and zero, oh, I think that you want to start this conference schedule with something that gives you a bit of a boost. There's a chance that this start of the season is going to be real ugly. Don't let things spiral going into conference play. 
at the same time, uh, I like the idea of giving yourself a chance at the end of the season. And that's something that Carl Durrell spoke about a few times this season, specifically once they kind of got in the middle and everything had shaken out a bit. And you realize, okay, they're really only a couple of contenders for number one here. And they're USC and Colorado. Colorado might have the the tougher home stretch, a, a tougher final few games that they need to to win so that they can be the number one team. But here you are, it's Colorado and it's USC. And when it's when you get down to things and you're in that situation, you have to like it. And to me, I'm trying to build this schedule so that Colorado has a couple of games left that they can win and and who knows maybe that gets them into first in the Pac-12 maybe that's how they get into the top half of the Pac-12 but I kind of just like that shape especially when you know that there's a chance that you know Brendan Lewis is the starter and you're reworking the offense and maybe things aren't totally clicking until the end of the season that's when you want to play the games against say USC a team that is likely to be the number one team in the Pac-12 South this year. Arizona State, who I would say is still the the top competition for USC for that number one spot. When you get those games late, that means that you've not only played your easier games earlier so that you have a better record at this point and you're up near the top of the standings, you also have the chance to win those tiebreakers right at the end and catapult yourself into first similar to you know a few weeks ago when we were talking about buffs basketball um before they had a couple either one or two of those tough losses i think before two of them we were saying you know if if you can just get into this final weekend back when last weekend was supposed to be the final weekend and and know that if you can beat usc and ucla you're going to be number one then that's a good situation to be in sure you're making some assumptions that they're going to beat those teams but you're in the last weekend of the season, your destiny is in your hands. Turns out that's not how things worked out. Um, but that is the concept that I am working with as I build this schedule. Um, so a couple of things to think about. Um, first, the Utah game is usually the last game of the season because that's basically rivalry week in the Pac-12. I look back through the last schedules just to make sure. I think there was one where Cal was, was the last week and Utah is the second to last. Um, but I do think that, I mean, Utah's got to be the last game of the season. And I also think that that kind of really sucks for Colorado um, for a couple of reasons. Because... First of all, they're going to have a new quarterback. They're bringing in, what, Charlie Brewer from uh, Baylor. And I've said it before, I liked him heading into last season. He didn't really live up to the hype last season, and now he's transferring. When you have a new quarterback, you want to play that team early in the season. When you have a team that's established, I think in general, you... I don't necessarily want to say you want to play them late in the season, because usually that's when they've really started clicking, And I guess that's true of every team. Every team is going to get better throughout the season, but teams with new coaches, teams with new quarterbacks, teams with just change in general, those are teams that might specifically take longer to get going. And so when you look at Utah, a team with a new quarterback, a team that could really be a factor in the Pac-12 as well, I like getting that game in early and maybe jumping on the team before they're ready to go. Um, similar uh, to the Oregon situation. 
um, Oregon losing Tyler Shuck, again, that's a game that, you know, when you look through the, the recruiting rankings, those would say that Colorado should not stand a chance against Oregon. When you look at what's happened on the football field over the last 10 years, similar. When you look at the last five years, Colorado's odds get a little better. When you look at last year, again, Colorado's odds get just a little bit better. So while this isn't a game that is a lock to be a loss, Colorado isn't going to be favored even at home, I don't think. But getting to play this game earlier in the season versus later, I think gives Colorado the best shot of turning this into an upset. And if you're talking about Colorado trying to make it to a Pac-12 championship, for example, we know the schedule. You play Oregon, you play Washington, you play USC. You're probably going to need to win two of those games. And if you want to be the top two or three in the conference, top four in the conference, you got to win at least one. I think getting Oregon at the beginning of the season gives you a decent chance. Um, so those are some thoughts I'm having. Um, I would start the season, though, the conference season, by playing Arizona. It's a home game, which you like, especially when you know, you're know you potentially ba- coming back from a, a tough start to the season. Um, you also like it, though, because it means you get to play a, a new quarterback and a new coach as, as soon as possible. Just make sure that that's a win. And this is a game that I, I actually struggled with before deciding this is where it should go. Um, because I did think, you know, Arizona's going to be a team that you expect to win more often than not. Putting them at the end of the season honestly feels pretty good too, just because you know it's a win. Um, but again, I, I, I think that you got to go win this game I think there's a good chance that's to balance out your record at two and two, and if it's to put you at three and one or even four and zero, oh, you're working toward a, a top twenty-five ranking at that point because you do have a good win under your belt, at least one good win under your belt. Just stacking the wins and and getting yourself into that conversation early in the season, I think would go a long way. So I do like starting against Arizona, although I will say this. That does mean that you're essentially playing four straight home games to start the season. And I'm not sure that that's something Rick George wants. And he may be voting against the schedules that start Colorado at home, for example. Um, I don't know. But I will say that that's how I have it. Starting the season against Arizona, a game you think you're going to win. Get to 1-0 and and then figure it out from there. Um, next up, I had versus Oregon. Because I think that you do want to get that shot early if you fall to one and one that sucks but also this probably is your best chances early in the season and i'm not gonna lie i was tempted to put oregon first and even though that does seem like just a stretch out of hell to start a season um you know northern colorado not factoring in all that much but then to play texas a&m to play minnesota then to play oregon that's not an easy start and you could just set yourself up to be doomed and so I like getting at least that Arizona win in there ahead of time Uh, from there though they hit the road for the first time of the season go to Cal again that's one of those games I think it's a 50-50 on the road maybe that swings it into Cal's favor Chase Garbers is an experienced quarterback who's going to be back but I'm not I, I I'm not sold on on him and I think that this Cal team had 
a lot more problems this season than a lot of people expected. I think it was easy to look at them as a team that could compete in the Pac-12, you know, because they had been trending in the right direction. I still do think that there's a decent chance they figure it out, but that just makes me want to get their early play at Cal soon and see if you can get that win before they are the best version of themselves. Um, and because there aren't a whole lot of easy games. That is one of the easier games on the schedule. It's just crazy since it's a road game. But you look at the teams that we haven't talked about yet. The road games are UCLA, Arizona State, and Utah. The uh, home games are Washington, Oregon State, an easy one, and USC. There, there aren't many teams that are just going to roll over on the buff schedule at all. I mean, basically Oregon State and Arizona are what you're looking at. Um, Cal might be the easiest game outside of those. Um, it's a it's a tough looking schedule. Um, so to recap, we're at home versus Arizona, home versus Oregon, at Cal, and then I have versus Washington. Um, another team that I think is probably clicking more later in the season than early in the season. They they lost a couple of pieces, um, but you know like Levon Wuzurike, probably the yeah def, nobody else is getting drafted in the first round from Washington. Um, and he, and he honestly might not either, but he opted out last season. And so it's not even like they're losing him from that defense. Washington's just another team that I think is really good and I think still getting better, still young. You know, Dylan Morris, the quarterback, he was a freshman this year. He's back. A sophomore quarterback is going to be better at the end of the year than in the middle of the year, which is really the point in the schedule we're at. Get this game out of the way. See if you can beat Washington in, in Boulder. And if you can, then you're working potentially on, on a good season. Um, next up, staying at home against Oregon State. Just stack that win. I mean, in those first four games, you've got Oregon, you've got Washington, you're at Cal. Again, there's a chance you're one and three. There's also a chance, I think, that you're more in the three and one range. But either way, uh, I, this is a point in the season where you just need a win. Either to get you to four and one in conference and say, okay, we're actually players here. Or to get to, you know two and three in conference and say, we, we don't, we aren't bottom feeders from there. Again, you, you, we've left some road games, which I don't love, but again, what I want is to give the team the best possible um, odds of being in it as late as possible in the season. And that's kind of where you're at. Now you have four straight games against the top four teams in the PAC 12 South then you either win them or you lose them. You're at UCLA is what I had to start. Again, just a little bit easier. I, I don't think UCLA, especially without Demetric Felton and some of the other guys, Oso Digazua, who they lost, I don't think that they're as tough as Arizona State or USC. Again, get that win if you can and, and put yourself in as good a possible spot as you get into these final three weeks because you're going to finish at Arizona State. That's not a trip that I want to make early in the year. I know CU pulled it off with the win with Mel last year, but to me, going to Arizona, that's something you want to do in the winter. You don't want to go out there when it's 90 degrees. You want to go out there when it's, I don't know what the weather is actually in the winter, probably like 60 degrees, 70 degrees, probably closer to 70. Um, 
So, yeah, I like having Arizona State late in the schedule for that reason, and I like having USC late in the schedule the next game um, because of a similar reason, because I want them out of L.A. and in a blizzard in Boulder. I think that that's your best shot at taking down USC. Arizona State, that's a high-powered offense with Jaden Daniels. You want them in the snow too, but that's just not an option. With USC and Keaton Slovis, the way he slings the ball around, that's a team you want to force to run, and the snow will help you do that. Put them at the end of the year and hope you get some snow. Um, and then the uh, final game of the year at Utah, just because I think that that's where they're going to make you play that game. Um, and that could be a big one for both teams. But, again, you just don't like playing Utah when they're probably going to be at their best. Um, so, yeah. Um, here's, here's one more thing. Um, I actually did a schedule with Utah, not the last game of the season, just to build a more dream schedule. A lot of similarities, but here's how it goes. Versus Arizona, versus Oregon, at Utah, getting that one in there early, playing Brewer before he's totally acclimated. Then versus Washington, at Cal, versus OSU, at UCLA, at ASU, finish season versus USC, in a game that could potentially decide the Pac-12 South. Um... That's the stuff that I came up with. Um, hopefully it was interesting to listen to without being able to see it in front of you. Uh, but if you guys have your own schedules that you would like to see, give those to me um, because I'm, I'm curious what you're thinking. Um, any other thoughts, as always, throw them in the comments on the poster day show at edmvr.com. We'll get to those. Um, yeah, tomorrow we'll be talking about the schedule. I'm excited about that, assuming it does come out. If not, there might not be a podcast. That might be the off day, in which case it would be Wednesday, and that would also the podcast would be Wednesday with the schedule release, talking about uh, the Arizona State game the next day. Oh, wait. Actually, there might not be an off day because Colorado doesn't play Saturday. Stay tuned to your feed. Odds are tomorrow there's going to be a podcast recapping the schedule drop. I'm, I'm not feeling great about it. You know, like I said, I want to get get a game you can win to start the season. There's a good chance that you're going to be starting on the road. Um, just because you have those three home games to start, I want to play Utah early. Looks like, I mean, Utah's going to be the last game of the season. Those two things make it tough to build a schedule you really like. So I guess you're probably starting at Cal, at UCLA, or at ASU. Maybe you jump on ASU early. Maybe you jump on UCLA early. It happened this year. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll be talking about it tomorrow, and I'll see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Hey. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it 
came at the team, they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a rain?